You're about to listen to episode 56 of Women Who Kill. This is Kai. If you're liking the show so far, don't forget to stop by Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes. Leave a rating, leave a review. Helps a lot, helps new people find the show. Review doesn't have to be long. A couple words. It doesn't even have to be true. I'm assuming that everyone who listens enjoys it. But if you hate listen, if you hate me, say it. Bad reviews are good reviews too. Anyhow, uh, if you want to support the show with your dollars, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash kaichoice. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash k-a-i-c-h-o-y-c-e. Got bonus content there. The archives of the show, full archives. The most recent 20 episodes you can always find everywhere podcasts are found. Everything else is in the archives. Our guest today, very funny actor, singer, and writer, Giamora. Hey. <laughs> how, how are you? I'm good. I don't know how long I'll be doing remote episodes, but the last few episodes that you guys have heard have been remote, uh, as is this one. How's, how's that life treating you? You know, I think I don't know what day it is. I think uh, it's perpetually Tuesday. I'm not sure uh-huh. if eight years or five minutes has passed. I have no idea. My fiance had surgery. Uh, his had his shoulder reconstructed literally the day that the world came to a screeching halt. I think he was the last person in California who uh, had elective surgery. And uh, anyway, oh, wow. <laughs> it's so weird because I feel like I've both just brought him home from the hospital and also that we've been nursing him back to health for at least five years. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know which it is, though. It's a very odd time for sure. How are you holding up? I'm having an elective surgery done next <gasps> week. You are? Yeah. I was terrified because I, I had planned on getting it for a while. I just assumed that they had canceled it. Yeah. And then they called me and were like, hey, we're, we, we're able to, to fit you in. We're able to schedule a day for you. So I was freaking out about it. And then... uh a few days ago, they sent me an email. They're like, oh, by the way, you need to get a COVID test. Oh. Uh, and you, you, need to, you need to test negative <laughs> in order to be able to come in. And I was like, I was thinking about that. I was considering doing that on my own. But I was like, oh, I guess, I guess they don't need it. And, and then they did. So I had to scramble to get a test done last minute. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, and so, do you have to keep getting it then? Because they're only good for 24 hours or whatever, right? Are they? Yeah, you... Well, I mean, I'm assuming if you test negative and then you don't go anywhere... I suppose... You, you should be good. Well, but, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I guess it depends. I don't know. I'm very concerned right now, not because I have any fear of myself or something, but it's getting to the actual Oval Office now at this point. You know, I'm sure when people hear this, things have changed, but at this very moment uh-huh. in time, like, we have people on the coronavirus task force who are self-quarantining. <laughs> I, that yeah. that absolutely blows my mind. So then it's things like it, the fact that it's not clear how often you need to be tested and if, the, you know, uh-huh. all that stuff, I'm, that's what's so scary about it right now. And my uh, in-laws are much older, you know, they're in their 70s and 80s. And they seem to be treating this like, like they just got the A-OK to go back and do whatever it is that they uh, want to go do. So it's nuts. It's, uh, it's unfortunate uh, and very embarrassing how, <laughs> how a lot of people are reacting to this. I don't understand people who've politicized it. Yeah. It scares me. And it's it's so embarrassing. I'm just like, are we going to... Uh, Rome fell because of hubris, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, America's going to fall because of stupidity. I know, and there won't even be a fiddle playing. 
I mean, we won't even be serenaded by Nero. Like, we just get somebody sitting there denying anything is happening. There are no fires. <laughs> My ratings uh, are the highest. We don't even get any. Uh, no good statues out of no. it or, or anything. Uh, like, so that's happening. I hope everyone else is okay. Who we're going to be talking about today is... Uh, Sheila. Sheila Labar. Is it Labari? Labar? I'm going to say Labar. Labari. Labar. Yeah, Labar. Labar. I don't know. Labar. Labar Burton? No. Sheila Labar. That's how I'll say it. Well, it, it was, it's probably pronounced like Labare or something. But it, Sheila was born in Fort Payne, Alabama. So I'm going to assume that, that, it was, that her family pronounces it Labar. Yeah, that makes sense. Not to disparage Alabama, but I, I am. <laughs> you know, just mentioning Alabama, unfortunately, disparages it. Because the very mention of its name <laughs> is rife with so much history. So Sheila was born on Independence Day yep. in 1958, Fort Payne. Fort Payne, Alabama. Alabama. She has a sister. I couldn't tell uh, how, the, how old they were or how many years apart they were. Did you ever find that? No, I didn't. And her, her sister's name, Lynn, Lynn Nugent. Now, is Nugent her middle name? Is it like... Or or is that her last name in their half-sisters? Oh, that wasn't clear either. Or maybe it's a married name. I don't know. But that's the name I found. Nugin. N-O-O-J-I-N. I've never seen that name before. Nope, me neither. So Sheila allegedly grew up in an abusive household. Yep. Her mom was an alcoholic, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, yes, and her father, too. Now, wasn't her stepdad? Or he was just step stepdad- in stepdad-like in behavior. That's what I can't tell. Um, and there seems to be a recurring theme here of married, not married, not quite sure what the legal status of any of these people are. Uh, that's a recurring uh -huh. theme in her life, unfortunately. So uh, all we know is uh, is that she had a, a dad-like figure in her life who uh, abused her sexually. And... Her sister says he might have allowed her, his friends, mm -hmm. or at least one of his friends, to do the same. Yes. Yeah. Horrifying. Yeah. Now, she graduated high school, mm -hmm. 1976, uh, right out of high school, got married to a guy named Ronnie. Because that's what happens in Alabama. Everyone marries a Ronnie. <laughs> okay, so I have a question on this one. I found a couple of different uh -huh. sources because I had read that Ronnie was her first marriage too. But then I found out when mm -hmm. uh, the one that in 1981 on New Year's Eve, I read that she had married a man named John Baxter and that they were only married for mm. six weeks because. Oh, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Okay. So she married Ronnie right out of high school. Things didn't work out immediately. And. She wanted a divorce, but he didn't give her one. She wasn't able to get a divorce until, I believe, after she ended up in a mental institution yes. because she tried to kill herself. She took a bunch of pain pills, I believe, mm -hmm. and then drove her car into a ditch. Yeah, that's definitely one way to get a divorce. Uh, yeah, that was her get out of jail free card. <laughs> and get right um, to the mental hospital. Lucky her. Yeah, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, once she was in the psychiatric facility, she was sexually assaulted by a staff member there. Yes. And I, I can't imagine 
that, you know, if she wasn't already having sort of psychotic episodes that even if you thought you might be attacked in the hospital, let alone actually being attacked, that's just going to keep, you know, fraying the edges. You know, you always see that in movies, like whenever a a woman is is sent to uh, an institution, there's always like a creepy orderly and you're like, what's up with this trope? But I guess it's not it's not a trope, which is really fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Never happens to the men. They they get lucky. They just get a, uh, they just get permanent straitjackets, right? Men men in uh, institutions. mental institutions and movies. There's always some muscular dude in a corner in a straitjacket. Oh yeah, and some kind of bane like uh, mask. Yeah. <laughs> so after that, uh, as as I guess, or or during that, because it's in the early '80s, is what I read that she was institutionalized. Uh, some point during that it was when she married John Baxter. In the same time. Yeah. 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 87 is when she moved away from Fort Payne. Right. To New Hampshire, of of all places, is, uh, is where this takes place. Yes, the setting of our tale for today, Epping, New Hampshire, in 1987. Yeah. I don't know a lot about New Hampshire, but the people who I know who are from there are moneyed. Oh, interesting. Um, okay, so I've been to New so Hampshire is, once. Is it just rich people on farms, or? Yeah, I think so, because they're. I, they always feel like those are. I don't know. Everybody there that seems to be their vacation house. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no in between. You either have a farm or a mansion. Yes, and Sheila lived on a million dollar horse farm, and that was a million dollars back then. Like. Yeah, in nineteen nineteen eighty nineteen ninety money. Yeah. What's interesting to me is that this is a recurring theme, even though it shouldn't have been, uh, based on the timeline. And I'll explain. She answered a personal ad. I'm assuming from a newspaper, because it's the late 80s. Bill Labar. Wilfred was his real name. Wilfred. They hit it off. Right? They hit it off. He moves her in. He's a chiropractor. He's got money. They never got married. Nope. Recently widowed. Yeah. How's your how's your uh, arithmetic? Because mine sucks. Um, I'm trying to figure out how much older he was than she. Uh, I don't do numbers. I leave that to the experts. No, I. <laughs> I my, arith- okay. my arithmetic's okay. What year did you find he, that he was born? Okay. Let's see. So he died in, ni- in at 74. He was 74 years old in 2000. the year 2000. Okay. Okay. So. 34, uh, six. So 1936 is when he was born, and she was born in 58. Uh, okay. So it's 12 years. 22, 22 years. years. Sorry. See, I told you I don't do arithmetic. <laughs> I don't even know how I did that. I feel like I feel like a, an X Men or something. Yeah. Like I'm terrible at math. And did just, did you die and uh, come back to Earth with special powers <laughs> to do math? Because that's what <laughs> Sheila said happened to her. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. It's fucking crazy. So, so, so uh, they they were involved in what is commonly known as a common law marriage. They never got married, but she took his last name. Yeah, and it doesn't even seem like they were together for all that long. Um, but they stayed well, friends. Eighty seven to eighty seven till. 
2000. Right, but they weren't really as far. I had read that they weren't necessarily exclusive, and that even when they were no longer sort of intimate, that she still was living above his office and running his chiropractic office right. as a manager, which yeah. is just wild. Uh-huh. Especially considering that their introduction wasn't just the oddness of a personal ad of somebody literally uprooting their life from the south to go way up north, but she sent topless photos with her response. Yeah. Yeah. She was making sure she was getting the hell out of there. How did they do sexy photos in in the late 80s? Did did she get a Polaroid? Did she invest in that, in the Polaroid film? Or did did she have to, like, take it into... Uh, a photo lab to inside Kmart. like a, a, a Rite Aid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And have some some 18-year-old kid, or maybe even younger than that. I know. Ha- having to develop them. And how old? So this is 1988. So Sheila's like 30. She's 30 years yeah. old. So she's like at her sexual peak at this point, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to imagine it's some poor 15-year-old who had to be like, what are those... <laughs> But I'm sure it was. <laughs> what are those? The other thing is, I imagine her booking like a glamour shot session for that in a boudoir. Uh, She's like, "Oh, this is going to be like a, good a black one. feather boa." Oh yeah, 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 a bustier. <laughs> so, um, so much she, feathered this hair. Is, this was her first. Uh, oh yeah, I could just looking at pictures of her too. It's like she's um, when you read about her behavior and and how confident she is. Um, uh, about flirting with like anyone and everyone, yeah. uh, you expect her to look different. So I'm like, okay, I guess, I guess, good for her. <laughs> but uh, no, you, you know, you remind me of but, a story that w- there was a, a girl, and I mean a girl I knew who had gotten pregnant when she was 15, and I, I remember looking at her and being like, I don't see how anybody would want like. Of all the people that you could knock up, you were going to knock up that girl? It didn't even make sense. And I was uh-huh. one of those girls that you would have thought that about. You never would have been like, what? Somebody touched her? Um, so, but I don't, that never makes any sense. But the confidence, like you said, she's, she is magnetic, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's what, what people found attractive was that the fact that she didn't give a fuck and she was the shit no matter no matter what anyone else believed. Now, Bill was her first, uh, well, her, let's see, her third marriage? Yeah, technically. They were both on their third marriage. Yeah, yeah. And Bill has two kids, um, mm-hmm. and I only know the name of one, his daughter, whose name is Laura. She was not happy about any of this business with Sheila from uh, day yeah, one. Uh, from the top, she was convinced that Sheila was in it for his money, which true. Now, while Sheila was in a relationship with Bill, she got married again. Yep. Uh, in nineteen ninety five, she marries this guy named Wayne Ennis from Jamaica in Maine. Yeah, there's so much going on here. Why? Why did they? What's in York, Maine? Is York Lobster Town? Uh, that's. Or is, is, is Portland Lobster Town? Oh. What's going on in York? Why would she go there to get married I, I, to a Jamaican guy? I feel like there must have been better jerk chicken or something there. <laughs> what else could it be? I have no idea. I don't, And I don't know how far apart these little places are. I feel like in mm-hmm. the Northeast, you walk two blocks and you're like, oh, you're in a new village. Oh, you've come to a new settlement. <laughs> Welcome to Jamestown's land. And you're like, oh. Uh-huh. So... 
her relationship with with Wayne was volatile. They would fight a lot. Yep. Uh, they would chase each other with weapons. Uh, I, I believe she threatened to shoot him often. She also asked him if he would kill Bill, kill Bill, if he would kill Bill for her. Yeah, a different kind of movie, but still killing Bill. And yeah. <laughs> and I think that was even after she had divorced him, because I think they were only married for about a, uh, a year. Yeah, she divorced Ennis in uh, 1996. So, yeah, they were they were married for barely a year. In 97, she got a restraining order against him because he... Had, uh, yeah. This is crazy. Assaulted her. She got a restraining order. Yeah. <laughs> this is before, I believe, the restraining order was before she asked him for help in uh, murdering her ex-husband whose property she lived on. Yeah, that's the, the now, order of events seems questionable because you're like, why Why are both of these guys in any earshot of hers? Like they, I mean, this this means landlines because this is 1995, right? I mean, this isn't uh-huh. texting. Payphones and landlines. Yeah. Sheila spent this entire time terrorizing the men in her life. The interesting thing is that None of the murder happens until after Bill is dead. Yes. Which is odd because you would think that she had everything she wanted. I mean, obviously she didn't she didn't kill for money because she effectively became a millionaire as soon as Bill died. Absolutely. She inherited like three properties. Yep. The office, two houses in Somerset, a Portsmouth house. And the million-dollar, 115-acre horse farm that she'd been living on. Right. And his business. Yeah. But he... Now, some people... Oh, yeah, you're going to say what I was going to say. Yeah. I was going to say some some people would say that this case reminds them of Carol Baskin. <laughs> oh, I don't know who she is. Tell me. Oh, you haven't watched Tiger King? <gasps> no, is I, I have not. I have... Uh, I've been... Hiding like an ostrich from pop culture lately. <laughs> oh, it's a uh, it's some nice escapism. That's that's real life. Oh, that's good. It's very Florida. It's one of the most Florida things I've ever seen. It's worth watching. Now, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but let's just say that a lot of people feel that Sheila's Bill didn't die of old age. Yeah, and and didn't die of natural causes. Yep. Because his kids didn't get anything. And she was never legally married. It, and yet... Right. His ex-wives, ex-wives, <laughs> none of them got anything. His kids didn't get anything. Nada. And they tried to, they tried to take her to court and uh, failed. I don't understand. I did not read those court documents, but I am dying to know how that happened. It seems that there's a lot of yeah. cases in this particular situation where... The legal system is not really on the ball. <laughs> it's very Fargo. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. The way that the cops operate in this entire story. Now, well before the first murder that we're going to talk about happened, Sheila established herself as, I guess I would say, uh, the town Karen. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. She liked nothing more than to call the cops. Call the cops, fax the cops, write letters to the cops. Show up at the office. <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck does that? 
Who has time? Just show up at the at the station. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't she have horses to tend to? She's not taking a cab there. It's probably it's probably a half an hour drive to to get to the the police station there. Which is a Barney Fife station, by the way. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. She would. Yeah. She would call the cops on neighbors, on a- any anything, anything that annoyed her. She would immediately get the police involved. So they fucking hated her. Yeah. They hated her so much that when she became a murder suspect, they didn't want to fucking deal with it. (laughs) Yeah, literally, they said they were tired of taking her calls. And they were (laughs) frustrated because they had to now bring out two officers every time they had to go to her place because she would answer the door in various states of undress and then would make accusations that the officers were making advances toward her. Uh, So they had to Uh have cover to make sure that, you know, she wasn't saying anything untoward. Yeah. So 2006, six years after Bill has died, well after she divorced Wayne, she is, she's at it in the personal ads again. Looking for now, love. Now 2006, do you think, do you think, is, is she still using the newspaper or do you think she... Oh no, she's she on Match. Uh, upgraded to Craigslist. Oh, well, that's interesting, Craigslist misconnections, yeah. Well, I had read it was a chat line. A singles chat line. Mm. So I don't... So we're still on the, fo- on the phone. Yeah. 2006, we would have had, like, texting like you who would have been line? paying a part... Well, party line's old, though, right? You remember right? party lines? Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, she started with personal ads, so party line was probably, like... Right around the corner. Yeah, that was probably super high-tech to her. I imagine so. She would record her conversations that she had with... Guy she was flirting with. So I would assume yeah, that was done on the phone. Yeah. Unless, yeah. She meets a, a kid named Kenny. Kenny has, this is the most country name I've ever heard. Kenny County. Kenny County with an I-E at the end. Yeah. Just a kid. 24 years old. Well, he's a man. He was a full-grown man. But he was but still a kid. on the autism spectrum. So, yeah, yeah not yeah. having the mental capacity of a man at all. Right. Though... I find it interesting that he served in the army. Yes, I read that too. Did they just pretend that they didn't notice? I mean, I, I feel like you, you have to, I don't know, maybe an autistic person would do well with the structure and bluntness of the army. Yeah, I mean, you're not. <laughs> like there's no there's no subtext exactly. anywhere. Yeah, you're not asked to read anybody's emotional awareness. You're just following exactly the letter to the law. Maybe it is a, a very mm-hmm. good place for them. That's a good question. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe he might have had a, a substance abuse problem. Oh, I think many of the people involved with Sheila in general had substance abuse issues. There's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Alcohol is undoubtedly involved in a lot of this. Now, he was 24, 2006. They meet. He immediately moves in. Like that day. He went, yeah, he went to visit her and then moved in. Didn't even go back home to get his stuff. But his mom figures out that something's weird. Yeah, because he he wasn't the type of person to not call his mom every day. And as soon as he moved in with Sheila, his mom stopped getting phone calls. And she files a a missing persons report, right? Right, which I'm assuming didn't didn't go very far for two reasons. One, he's 24 years old. Right. He's a man. As to the outside world, he's a man. He can do what he wants. He's a grown-up. No one's kidnapping a man, <laughs> you know? Right. And also, 
no one wants to fucking go to Sheila's house. Now, a few days before he was noticed missing, several people reported that Sheila and Kenny were at the Walmart by their house, closest to the house. Yes. And he was in a wheelchair and he had, I saw pictures. He looked, he looked real bad. He had uh, like scars on his face and they said he had cuts on his hands. In the picture that I saw, let me see if I can find this picture if I send it to you. Yeah. You haven't seen it. Technology. You get that? Whoa. Uh, well, now I know what I what they meant when they said the yellow diesel fuel cans. Wow. Yeah. They weren't now, kidding. Z- Holy cow. Right? You zoom into that picture and it looks like he's got like scars. It looks like his nose is broken. Oh yeah, he's got a he's got a cut on the bridge of his nose, and he's got a pretty bad black eye, and it looks like he has cuts around his eye. His hand looks like his fingers are broken. You see oh, that? Oh yeah, he's the way they're grabbing it. He also looks like he weighs eighty pounds. Like he's just yeah. very small. Yeah, and uh, she's literally got two giant yellow diesel gas cans. In his lap. Now, that's the last time he was seen. Oh, that is horrifying. I feel so bad for his family. Ugh. hmm The cops in the missing persons report called her the suspicious person who he was seen with. She was offended. <laughs> she wouldn't stop calling them to complain about how she felt she was being uh, slandered by the language they used to describe her in the missing persons report. Wow. She was just Karening it up. Jesus, Karen. It's just, just give it up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So when people asked, uh, people in the store had asked what, what was wrong with him because, you know, they were concerned for good reason. Yeah. And she told them that he had been in a car accident. Now, that could be true, but if he was involved in a car accident, I would say that it's because Sheila put him in a car and then drove it into a ditch. Yeah. And then came over and used a two-by-four to smash through the window, and it went just happened to make contact with his face. <laughs> yeah, something, something fishy was going on. Now, ever since Sheila had moved to that farm, and we've established this, that she liked to call the cops— uh, but also, the cops were often called on her because of domestic disturbances. Now, every time the cops would show up, whatever guy she was fighting with would have cuts and scratches on his face and whatnot. Yeah, there were a couple of s- stabbings, like head stabbings, right? She had some... Oh, some... yeah, she she stabbed more than one person in the head with scissors. Yeah, likes her scissors. She must be great at yeah. quilting. <laughs> I'm sure her house is beautiful. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out what the timeline is when, um, because I know at a couple points in time, police showed up at the farm to check on Kenny. Yeah. And he came to the door and was like, I'm fine. Even though he probably said it like a gun was being held to his head. Yeah. And and they didn't notice that because, you know, the small town cops and nuance. <laughs> You can't wink if your eye is swollen shut, you know? It's just... uh... (laughs) 
So March 17th, 2006 is when the Walmart incident happened. Yes. And there was some other altercation at a Walmart earlier that week. And like all of this is from mm-hmm. Valentine's Day when they met till March. So we've only yeah. it's been a month, a very short amount of time. But by March 23rd, there's another missing persons report that Kenny's mother files with the Epping Police Department. Right. And that is when the police show up again yep. at the farm. When they show up, they notice several piles of burning garbage. And as they're walking by one of the piles, they notice what looks to be a, a bone sticking up yep. out of the, the pile of burning garbage. Uh, also, yellow diesel cans. Mm-hmm. Go figure. They go to her door, and she is like, what's, what's going on? Why are you here? Uh, she Karen's the shit out of the situation, for by real, the way. For real. She's like, you can't be here. You don't have a warrant. You have no right to be. They they notice some uh, sneakers in the house or looking through the door. And she's like, yeah, those belong to Kenny. And they're like, can we can we look at them? She's like, no, you can't. You guys need to leave. You don't have the right to be here. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I imagine she's like, fuck you. And then were... like flashes her tits. And they're like, right? oh, God yeah. damn it. <laughs> God damn yeah. it, Karen. <laughs> so. They ask if they can search the property. She says no. They ask what's going on with the bone. What's what's up with that bone over there? And she's like, "Oh, it's 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 it belongs to one of my rabbits. I, I cremate my rabbits when they die." And one of the cops said to her, he said, "It looks a little too big to be a rabbit bone." Oh. And she says, "It's either a rabbit or a pedophile. I don't know." Oh. And they say, "What do you mean by that?" And she says, "What?" They're like, what did you mean when you said it was either a rabbit or a pedophile? She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You need to leave. <laughs> so they left. And they did. I. They fucking left. And they didn't do anything. Like, how do you not? How do you not? I don't know. I'm, I don't know what they're legally allowed to do, but that doesn't seem right. I, I guarantee you if, if Sheila was, was not a white lady, uh, if she was anything other than a white Lady, well, especially in New Hampshire, her. and then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would be like, "We feared for." How do they not fear for? You're you're walking onto a farm. I assume she's got a full on militia. By a, Jesus, yeah, yeah. But they didn't fear for the they didn't fear for their lives. I guess. Uh, so so they left. They came back a few days later with a warrant. Only for the so exterior, they, they couldn't to, even go in her house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They couldn't. Uh, well, eventually, yeah. she gave them consent to search the inside of the house, uh, and they found, uh, well, in that pile, somehow Kenny's bone was still in the pile. She was very, she was very confident. Uh, but when they came back, she was real upset. She's like, I didn't get any sleep. I've been up all night burning things. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. She's like, you are really making this so difficult bold. on me. <laughs> I have sciatica. I cannot stand over this pot of lye for this long. My foot is numb. <laughs> so so uh, when they searched her house, they found all kinds of weird stuff. They found blood splatters. Yep. Uh, they found very old blood splatters. 
baked into the walls of the kitchen. Ugh. Yeah, just like layers of dust. Like she, she was not concerned about getting caught because she just felt so entitled to due process. You know? Yes, again, <laughs> she was because like, I'm she's not white. Caught, no matter what they find. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so while they were searching the property, they, they did find Kenny's remains and they found a, a lot of stuff that proved beyond a reason beyond a reasonable doubt that he did die on the farm. Yep. They also found in her septic tank remains of another man. Yes. And his and, uh, birth certificate. His birth certificate. <laughs> now, this guy ended up being a man named Michael Deloche. Yes who was last seen alive a year before she met Kenny. Now, in the septic tank, again, they found, uh, they found a bone, uh, a shell casing, uh, and Michael's birth certificate three years after he disappeared. The only reason they found him was because they were looking for clues to Kenny's disappearance. Michael, she met at a homeless shelter. Yep. People say that she frequented homeless shelters. Because it was a place where she could find young men who didn't have anyone who would notice them missing. They also found two toes. And those toes didn't belong to Kenny or Michael. They don't know whose toes they are. <laughs> Just two fucking toes. That's, where's, first of all, where's the rest of the foot? Yeah. Was it like a misery situation where like she she was getting a cutting and he got away? <laughs> I was. And there's there's just some toeless man out there who's like not talking about it because he's he's just happy that he got away. He's like it was diabetes. It was the diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now Sheila wasn't arrested until April second. All the way April in 2nd, Revia, Massachusetts. Yeah, they found uh, she had dyed her hair. Ronald McDonald Red. She had $80,000 in cash on her. You got to hand it to her for being good with money. I mean, she didn't squander it, right? She had 80000 in cash. Uh-huh. I don't have that much cash. Yeah. I read that she was arrested in a Taco Bell, which I think is the second worst thing that could happen to you in a Taco Bell. That's, that's so funny. When she was arrested, the, the cops asked her if she had any, any weapons on her. And uh, she pulled out her tit. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it starts unbuttoning her pants. Uh, that's so Sheila. <laughs> uh, you think they just, they just rolled their eyes. They're like, oh, okay, come on. Just, ah, oh, gross. Please. <laughs> We get it, Sheila. <laughs> this is the only time I have sympathy for cops is in this story. I know. I, <laughs> and I feel terrible because obviously she was you know, dealing with some, some sort of mental illness and obviously the sexual abuse that she endured as a kid. But, man, yeah. I, I just I, – it is hilarious. It is just hilarious how absolutely confident she is no matter what, in the face of murder charges, she's like, you know you want it. Come on. Come and get it, Daddy. You know, her sister is quoted as saying that when she was growing up, her nickname was Crazy Sheila. Yeah, yeah. 
They say by the time you're seven sister. years old, you're really kind of the person you are. And I just, you know, but when you're seven, it's a lot cuter when you run around naked. 37, it's another Cackling. question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the plan, Sheila's plan was to plead not guilty and try to get off on, uh, no pun intended, on an insanity <laughs> plea. Her defense attorney must have, I can't imagine what it's like defending someone like this because, you know, they have to believe. They have, Oh, yeah. They have to believe, you know, in, 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 what, in what they're arguing, even if they don't believe it. So it's always funny seeing the mental gymnastics. Now, during the trial, and I don't know if this is common. Do they still do this? They had the jury visit the farm visit uh, certain locations, the Walmart store? Yes, I I don't know, but I know uh, that they did do that in the OJ trial. The jurors did get to go oh, really? to the house on Buckingham Road. Did they clean it up? Oh, yeah, they cleaned it up. In, uh, well, according to the Ryan Murphy uh, docuseries, they actually put up all kinds of art to make him look like, you know, he was an upstanding citizen and they moved this around and that they sort of restaged the house entirely to make it, you know, in OJ's favor. And that was all on mm. the request of Johnny Cochran at all. But oh. but this is weird to me because I don't remember if they brought OJ with them to be like, hey, is this the part of the house you were in when you realized you were going <laughs> to chop your ex-wife's head yeah. off? But they did bring uh-huh. Sheila to the farm with yeah. the jury. What is that about? They said she was wearing a stun belt. What is a stun belt? I read that too. I'm assuming it's like a, is it like a shock collar for your waist? I guess. I mean, is, can I use is it for humane? weight loss? I don't under, like, I'm not sure if I, <laughs> I'm like, ooh, that tickles. Like, Apparently the jurors were able to view the outside of the property, but none of them were allowed to go inside the house because uh, someone had vandalized it. Yes. Which is odd. Like, I don't, why would that make a difference? I feel like it was the cops that they were like, you fucking bitch, you're always here, I hate you so much. <laughs> yeah. There was a man named James Brackett. Did we go over that? No, we didn't talk about him because we, we were, no. this is in the, like, pre, uh, pre-murder pre but rising insanity days. Mm. In, okay. in the early well, 2000s. just an aside. Yeah. yeah. There was a man named James Brackett who... Sheila stabbed in the head with some scissors, and she was charged with second-degree no- second assault. She's had so many more boyfriends than I have. I'm trying not to be jealous of Sheila. <laughs> yeah, Sheila couldn't, didn't stay single for long. She's the Elizabeth Taylor of murderers. Yeah. <laughs> Sheila's attorneys argued that she was diagnosed with uh, schizoaffective disorder and delusional disorder. Her ex-boyfriend... The one who she stabbed in the head with scissors also testified in the trial, mm-hmm. as well as her ex-husband, Wayne Ennis. He testified under oath that she asked him to kill Bill. I believe Bill's daughter also testified. Mm-hmm. Now, her attorney, his argument was basically like, yeah, she obviously killed these guys, but it's because she's just real fucked up. And the prosecution was like, no, we agree. She's very fucked up, but she's not crazy. Yeah. And that's also part of the issue because I would had read that there was no legal definition of insanity on the books in New Hampshire at this time. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, she was found guilty 
the jury, yeah, the jury was like, insanity, what's that? We don't understand. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, So she was found guilty on uh, two counts of murder, which I I guess she got lucky. I guess she couldn't be tried on the third unless they could find a a body to go with the toes. Yeah. Or prove that she somehow murdered Bill, but they couldn't prove that either. Mm -hmm. Now, she received two life sentences without the possibility of parole. Now, her reasoning, her reasoning for why she killed these men, which changed depending on who she was talking to, by the way, Mm -hmm. but the version that she agreed to have on the books officially was that at some point she died. God let her come back to earth, but he made her an angel and also a notary public. Oh, so much power. <laughs> Which gave her special abilities. One of those abilities was uh, she was able to, to know who was a pedophile. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was ordained by God to strike them down. Now, other people say Sheila believed that every man in her life was a pedophile because she just didn't trust men. Rightfully so. Yeah. She convinced herself that Kenny was a problem. After he had disappeared, she called the cops and played a really weird phone recording for them that appeared to be Kenny crying and confessing to being a pedophile. But it also seemed like she had been interrogating him and possibly torturing him. Mm -hmm. So it seems like she had this idea in her mind of of who he was and she wasn't going to give up until he admitted it. So she tortured him until he felt like the only way he could get her to stop was to tell her what she wanted to hear. And then she stabbed him to death. And burned him. Ugh. And it seems that that's pretty much the same M.O. that she had with Michael Deloge, too. He was right. also developmentally disabled. His mother mm-hmm. and father uh, were confused kind of at first why he was involved with Sheila, although she was so charismatic that they were like, well, maybe he just likes her because she's big and crazy, you know. But then. Yeah, his dad said she was, quote, fun and attractive. Yeah. Which is the most dad thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that girl over there, Gia, she's uh, very attractive. And you're like, oh, I just... Mm, mm, don't... know. <laughs> so no one bought her story. I don't know if she bought her story. I don't know. It's hard to tell how much of her persona is trauma and how much is psychosis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because she seemed to like she, she didn't just kill people; she tortured them, which which means that it wasn't so much about retribution for her that she also had a, a sadistic streak, right? Because especially they were vulnerable too. It wasn't like she was taking down people who were in positions of power, like you said, in some sort of vigilante way. It was like she was preying on mm-hmm. someone even more vulnerable than she was. I mean, I think if she had done a true Dexter and was 
was picking out guys who were like known to be open secret creeps, then she might not have even went to jail. People would just turn a blind eye, especially since cops didn't want to deal with her anyway. But I mean, when she went after innocence, that's where she went wrong. Yep. yep. She. What were you saying? Oh, nothing at all. I was just agreeing. I was thinking like. You know, if she'd have picked somebody like a John Belushi or like some big, huge guy that she couldn't physically overpower, you know, we John Belushi. I don't know why that's the guy in my head that, that I'm casting. No, I know, but like, in, I see this like Saturday Night Live version of it in my head. I don't know. That, okay. <laughs> and I just imagine uh-huh. her trying. You know, like uh, the picture of Kenny. He just looks so tiny. He looks like Tiny Tim, you know. And then there's like, yeah, there's yeah. this just big portly guy, and she's trying to like yank him and he's just trying so to big she can't him. even move him yeah i'd like i I, yeah. I like the idea of her trying to do it to someone like that yeah uh-huh. <laughs> oh no i don't like the idea of her trying let me let me take that back <laughs> i'm sorry in my sick dreams i find it intriguing that she does this. uh-huh now when she was when she was asked what exactly happened to kenny she said that uh she woke up to him choking her, mm-hmm. and so she killed him, which there's no evidence to support that. When she asked what happened to Michael, she said uh, they were fighting. You know, they were just involved in a, you know, your, your usual, completely normal couple fist fight over, uh, I don't remember what, but the fight moved from outside to inside. She was in the kitchen. She picked up a chain. Who the fuck keeps Why a chain in the kitchen, by yeah. the way? Yeah, what is it doing? A beating chain. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Call me old fashioned, but I keep my beating chain in the garage. <laughs> and she starts hitting him with a chain, and he's bleeding from the head. And uh, she said that she realized at this point uh, that uh, she, he needed help, so she she was gonna call for help. And he said, "No, I deserve to be hurt because I'm a pedophile." And then he went to, and lay down on the couch. And died two weeks later. (laughs) (laughs) The two weeks later part is the best. (laughs) (laughs) Like, did he stay on the couch the whole time? Sheila's a terrible storyteller. She's like, are you coming to bed? He's like, no, I'm a pedophile. I deserve to die. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the SpongeBob. (laughs) Two weeks later. (laughs) (laughs) So neither of those stories held any water. Uh, Sheila's... Currently still alive. Yes. She's, she's in jail. She's 61 years old. No word on her status in prison. No. Now, her attorney's goal was, uh, the whole goal of pleading insane was so that she could end up in uh, a mental institution as opposed to a regular prison. I'm wondering what prison life is like for her, you know? Yeah. Is she, is she having fun? I feel like she might be having fun. You know, because there's no men. Yeah. Except for the guards. And uh, they, they might be too afraid of her to abuse her. <laughs> Do you think she's having a real Orange is the New Black experience? Is she, <laughs> is she wearing chola eyeliner? Um, <laughs> I feel like she is probably doing hair. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's working you know, that she's salon. She's giving, yeah, giving everyone terrible red dye jobs. And terrible relationship advice, but she gives it nonetheless. <laughs> they come by and open the gates. They're like, 
Lunchtime. Sheila, put away your tits. <laughs> I can't believe they let her have the scissors, though. We know how dangerous she is with those things. <laughs> she tried to appeal for parole in 2010. It was denied. Now, I don't understand why if someone receives a sentence with, without the possibility of parole, why they still let them appeal? I mean, I guess it's good if someone is unjustly convicted, but what's the point? Now, they had so many chances to, to keep any of this from happening. Yeah. She had a history of violence, and, and she had even been arrested for it before. So the only thing that kept Kenny and Michael and whoever else is buried on that farm or cremated on that farm from getting justice was the fact that she was so fucking annoying. No one wanted to deal with her. I guess that's how to get away with murder. Yeah, just be fucking obnoxious. Just be a Karen. Yeah. Just never stop calling the cops. And then when it comes time for the cops to be sent to your house, they're going to be like, ugh. God. See, that's long-term huh. criminal strategy, right? This is the long <laughs> game here. Uh-huh. Now, keep in mind, it's only going to work if you're a white lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tiny little asterisk there. <laughs> it's not going to work for anyone else. That's the story of Sheila Labar. It's a fucking doozy. Sheila is a piece of work for shiz. By the way, her... Maiden name, Sheila K. Bailey. Sheila K. Bailey. K-A-Y. Sheila, if you're listening, tell us how you took those photos. I want to know. Did you use a Polaroid <laughs> or did you go to a thrifty? Oh, thrifty. Wow. That just took me <laughs> back to my grandparents. Yeah. Deep cut. Best ice cream on earth. <laughs> Gia, where can people, uh, what do you have coming up that you might want people to check out. Ah, well, right now we have uh, new episodes coming out of Siren Show. That is the screen, Sirens for Science. We are three sassy, smart, sexy ladies talking about science and catching up. Uh, so check out those episodes, and you can find out what else I'm up to, new music and whatnot, at giamora.com. Okay. And you want people to follow you on social? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on Instagram, Gia underscore Mora. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. This was fun. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Kai. That was episode 56 of Women Who Kill. Hope you liked it. Hey, if you want to send me an email, if uh, you have suggestions of anyone you want to hear on the show or someone who you think we should talk about who we haven't talked about yet, or if we've talked about you on the show and you want to send me some, uh, some intel, some information you feel was left out, don't send me death threats. Come on, that'll just keep you in jail longer. You could send that to wwkpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>